Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing His ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Instead of just like confront it, stare at it, let it be what it is on its own. I mean, it, it is a reality in our world. And so we're going we're gonna to examine that. And, and one of the greatest obstacles we face today to being a transformed community is the failure to understand the human condition, the soul. More specifically, our dysfunction as a result of sin. We have become, by our choices, exactly who we are today. Whether the prodigal son or the older brother, we are exactly who we have chosen to be in our decisions. We all have been formed, and we all are continuing to be formed. We're a part of that process. Everybody is in a process of formation. It's not something you opt into or out of. C.S. Lewis reminds us that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and a corruption such as you meet, if not only in a nightmare. The possibilities between one extreme kind of person and the other rest in what we do about our life with God, and more specifically, what God does in our life. We are, in fact, each of us sinners. Happy New Year. (laughs) It's easy to uh, start to feel uncomfortable in these kind of conversations. And I just would encourage you that regardless of what you've done, what you're currently doing, who you are or who you have been, who you will be, what you will do, regardless of all those things, you have a friend. And his name is Jesus. For anyone that knows me real well, I'm I'm not the cleanest person around. I'm not. Um, I, I struggle with uh, even taking two showers a week. <laughs> I know, it's, it's bad. Full confession. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Hey, you know, if I don't model confession, you know. Truth is, I don't even mind if the house is a little dirty doesn't bother me. What gets me is not the dirt. It's the clutter. It's the clutter. I don't need things to be cleaned from dirt as much as I need the house to be cleared of all the clutter. When, when things are cluttered, I'm lost. I don't know how to function. When I let 
my nightstand stack up with all the things? I can't find my keys religiously. My life falls into disorder when my house is cluttered. But if it's dirty, the floors haven't been swept or mopped in a little bit, I'm okay. But if those dishes pile high, you know how I feel. Irritable, anxious. I'm not fun to be around. And the same true in my own heart. When things get cluttered in here. You see, I can take a little bit of dirt. I've gotten dirty. I've done some things that weren't clean. But it's when I let things take residence in me that don't belong that I'm in trouble. And there's a distinction here. And I think sin can be a lot like this. We think if we just keep washing it to make it clean, of course, only for it to get dirty again, we'll be okay. But we can't treat sin like dirty dishes. Because when we do, we start to justify or modify our appearances. We start to think that our relationship to sin has everything to do with what other people experience on your outside. All the while, we are not confronting the darkness that's on the inside. We become about sin management, behavior modification, keeping up with personas, And in that world, we start to think, nothing's wrong with me, just them. But that's right there is the voice of the cluttered soul. The soul that's losing its eyes. The person that's becoming something it's not. Some talk about the false self. But I don't think God is that interested in making you look good as much as he is interested in helping us become good by making room for him and the things that are of him. Anything less than that becomes a religion of sin management, a short gospel, far short of the life and gospel that Jesus presents and invites each of us to experience. God invites you to live in a world, a universe, far beyond your appearances. Mark 7, verse 20 through 23, we read, He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Here's Christ's words. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Now, we could do the dishes... 
we could not practice malice and deceit and lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, greed, all these things, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. We could, we could, we could keep up with appearances there. But those things come from the heart. They come from within. That's the space that has to get treated. That's the space that has to be confronted. And let me remind you, because in some regard, and I'm not saying you should go sin, in some ways I wonder if it would be better for you to worry less about the appearance of the, the dishes and more worried about the heart. Now, people around you might not like that. They might not love that. But what you need to know and what I need to remind myself of regularly is that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is in opposition, yes, to the dark, but he's a friend of sinners. God's not offended to be around the unclean. And no matter how dark or dire your sin may be, God isn't offended to be around you. Because his love for you is stronger than your love for your sin. His love for you is greater than your temptation to turn away. His desire for you even as you are, far outweighs the power of what's going on inside. Unfortunately, though, a lot of us grew up in a religious culture where we cared maybe more about keeping us clean. We couldn't listen to certain music because that's the gateway to the devil. You know, rock and roll. Nowadays, it's, it's R&B or something like that. I don't know. Sorry if you like R&B. Just, just what came up. Country music. Country music is, is the way to hell. Amen? Sorry. I, growing up, we were cautioned not to listen to certain music or be around certain people or do certain things. We, we elevated practices that kept up with appearances, but we didn't know how to address the heart. But that culture itself has created its own kind of damage, its own kind of sin. It, it's dependent on guilt and shame to see transformation. And those things do transform you, by the way. But not always in the way that God is inviting us into. And to be fair, the pendulum always swings. And we move from this 
very behavior conservative approach to sin to a very liberal, carefree view of sin. From it's a big deal, you know, to it's, hey, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. But the problem with the minimizing or the maximizing of sin is they both produce the same thing. They both produce a person who thinks their sin don't stink. You see, the person who has done everything right, there's nothing wrong with me. It's those guys. And the person where it's carefree, it doesn't matter. No, it's all good. The problem is never here in both those models. The problem is always out there. It's both are a kind of Pharisee. And we're in a world like this in some sense. My vocation is a minister of the gospel and I rarely get to talk to people who confront their sin, who are willing to dig into that. That's like a massive part of what my job is supposed to be about. And I rarely get people who are willing to confront what's going on here because they've been led to believe that they only confront that sort of on their own and some, maybe as they're reading a book somewhere. I don't know. But it's like people are so ready to talk about all the challenges, all the problems. It's just that they're always out there. In our present world, sin is not available as a principal explanation for the problems that exist in our world. Have you noticed that? When we think about the problems of the world, sin isn't what comes to mind intuitively for most of us. We think something else. We get lost in speculating about the causes of the issues of the world and all that's going on. But far removed from the category of, oper- of potential here is just that s- sin is real. People are making bad choices based on a corrupt heart. I don't hear that. I don't hear that. Pick the problem. Drug addiction, abuse, failed marriages, neglect, favoritism, hoarding, wealth, global issues. Whatever it is, poverty, sin is rarely to be blamed. The real failure, real, the real problem in our world is that we fail to acknowledge our choices. We fail to examine our decision making. Because real failure, wherever it lives, or excuse me, wherever it's found, it's found in the choices we make. That's where sin dwells. It's in the mirror. You see, when you make a choice in that space of decision-making, 
your, your inner life, your heart, is motivated. It has options. And it begins with an entertaining of the wrong option, but then eventually, it's not just the entertaining of it, it's that we say yes to it. And you might say, well, I don't say yes to it, but I certainly entertain it. I'm not sure that's much better. Because you're still giving power to it. And the truth is, you keep entertaining it long enough, opportunity will be the only thing missing for you to say yes to it. Because, verse 23, all these evils come from inside and defile a person. But again, in our world, you know, sin's not the problem. And you know how I know that the world doesn't think sin's the problem? And we don't think that sin's the problem? Because we keep turning to things to save us that aren't Jesus. What is the modern Savior? Think about that. Who is your Savior? Who and what is influencing your decision-making? What do you turn to to solve the problems that you face? A lot of people turn to education. And I'm not saying education's bad. Education's good. Education's bad when it's your Savior. Some think that nature is our Savior. And as long as we keep it happy, we'll be okay. Nature's good. We should care for it. But it's not our Savior. Some think that finding a spouse or the spouse they found is their Savior. Your spouse is good. Your desire for love is good. But it's not your Savior. All of these are authorities. And all of these are God-given. Whether teachers or geologists or husbands and wives. But they are not your Savior. Because they cannot come to terms with the human condition that I am a sinner. See, the friend of sinners is the one who knew no sin. That's what qualifies Jesus to be Savior. That's what qualifies Him to help us in our condition. But we all keep looking for answers to our problems. What can I add to the situation to make it better? We treat our life like we treat, like taking supplements for a cure. If I just have more vitamin C and this and that. But it's not about what we add on, brothers and sisters. It's about what we get rid of. It's about what we let go of. It's the clutter that needs to be dealt with. And we do that by acknowledging the dark. How rare it is that we would face ourselves and confront our demons. Henrik Ibsen 
says it like this. Our whole being is nothing but a fight against the dark forces within ourselves. To live is to war with trolls in heart and soul. We all have a dark side. We just choose to ignore it at great cost. We spend our time managing what others think and see. We spend ample time and energy defending its non-existence or saying to others, it's not that bad. But it gets out still, doesn't it? It gets out in your pain. It gets out in your anxiousness. It gets out in your suspicion. It gets out in your judgment. It gets out all over the place. You can try to cover it up as much as you can, but it gets out. What is inside comes out. But while we run from it, we choose not to confront it. We submit ourselves to a slow death. We let it have its way. It's not clear by now. I'm inviting us to face it. But not alone. We subject it to the scrutiny of the light of God. With God. I, 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 when I confront my sins with my spouse... It, it stings and it hurts. I feel some pain. But you know the pain that I'm feeling there? It's, 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 it's as much the healing as it is the hiding. When, when that part of me gets exposed, it hurts, but it's good for me. There's something about her seeing what I've been hiding that helps me live not in hiding. And so we bring this stuff into the light. We could choose to just live our lives continuing to ignore or hold on to this thing. We could choose to give ourselves to a kind of pride or something. Or we could just go humble for a minute. We could just get real childlike for a minute, you know? We could... Enter into the right posture. We could beat our chest. Forgive me, God. Try it out today. Not just because it's going to feel good, but because that's where God gets in. Because that's the honest real you and me. I'm not all smiles. I'm not all fancy words. I'm not all whatever I want people to think of me. I, I am a sinner. I am. And I know, I know what we're thinking, but I, I, don't, I don't deserve God. I don't, I, don't, I don't want him to see me like this. But guys, he sees you already. He sees you already, and he's incapable of changing how he feels about you. He, he sees what you don't know how to see right now. And he wants you to have his eyes. Because he's your friend. 
He's the friend of sinners. He draws near to us. Matthew eleven nineteen. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Luke 15, 1 and 2. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Both these texts tell us something unique about his relationship to the sinners. One says that he draws near to them, and the other says that they draw near to him. This relationship with God, the one who knew no sin, is made possible in Jesus. This is great news. This is very good news that he draws near to us. This text goes on, verse 3 of Luke 15. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who think their sin don't stink. So we, we repent of it. The, the choice, we choose other wise we decide to no longer feed the beast and we choose instead to entertain a relationship with God one where there's no hiding and what I'll tell you is well I think once saved always saved what I, what I want you to hear is that it would be good for us to do this every day. The reason is we're used to behaviorally hiding from it, not addressing it. But the daily surrender helps us build the muscle of living in the light of God to getting really comfortable where we think we could never stand, but we can indeed. That's where we need to go. We're going to take communion together. And as we do that, this, is, this right here is the thing that Jesus chose to make good news for all of us. To say that I don't care if you're Judas or Peter. You can come to the table. You can be with me and my family. Good news. Christ has given himself up. He's entered into our hells so that we might experience his heaven. He has broken his body, poured out his blood 
so that we might enter into something new altogether. Today, this morning, you can grab hold of something you've never had before, something new. Doesn't matter if you've been a Christian 40 years, there's more transforming to be done. You haven't made it yet, sorry. So today, come forward with some friends or with a spouse or, and, and meet Jesus. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is to be made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him meet him here.